0: You don't have to pay attention to none of this writing stuff up here. All right. I don't know what none of it is now. It doesn't matter. All right. Well, good evening. God is good. We're done. (laughs) That's the best I can do in that amount of time. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Last time I preached, you know, I'm noticing a pattern here. Every time I preach, it's right before a business meeting. (laughs) So I'm not sure what the thinking is. I was going to do the business meeting first, but then, but it's like, what's well, a toss-up. What do you do? Well, then now you're saying the business meeting is better than what I have to say. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it could be so bad that you may never get back from it. <laughs> anyway, while we ponder this thing, turn to uh, Exodus chapter twenty-three. <laughs> so we had a good time down at the jail this morning. Um, it's amazing how the Lord will do some things and work with you. And and uh, well, I'll just I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I. I uh, never ceases to amaze me how he just keeps working with you and just keeps, you know, just keeps working and, and, and doing things in your life and providing for you. And um, we're we're facing a little bit of a situation. Maybe that might be an overstatement. I don't know, down at the jail. Maybe it's just my mind. But the Lord's given me some grace in that thing. He's shown me how to deal with it in such a way. And I'm just praying that, you know, things kind of resolve and smooth out. And, and the individual there, he'll... Uh, He'll, he'll just catch on to what's going on. Um, I might go into that a little bit later. I don't know. But it's nothing terrible. But just keep that ministry in prayer. Um, let me open up in prayer, and we'll get into the, uh, the word here. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Before I read your word, I just want to come to you in prayer and just ask you, Lord, that you just get me out of the way. Um, Lord, your, your word is perfect. It's true. Just as we have it, we don't need anything else, Lord. This is what we, you've given us. This is all we need. I pray, Lord, that I don't uh, do or say something wrong. I pray that I don't do or say anything to uh, offend anybody. I don't want to be a stumbling block, Lord. Just get me out of the way. Use me, Lord, and I pray that this message will be a, a blessing to someone here tonight, Lord. I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let's read verses 22 to 28. I know I did things kind of out of order. I'm sorry. I'm going back to my Catholic church days, up and down, up and down. Uh, but At least you're not kneeling. Um, but. If thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, uh, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. Uh, for mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images." Ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And this is where I'm going to. Start preaching from this scripture here. We're going to draw it from here. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. Lord, again, I just come to you in prayer. And I ask you to just bless your word. And uh, just reach the, the, the ears of these people, Lord. And just uh, give them something tonight from your word. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can never have too much prayer, right? Um, I remember as a kid growing up, you know, I was just watching my dad work. Uh, I wish I had half the mechanical aptitude that he had. I mean, he was just good with his hands. He could do woodworking. He could—he was a machinist by trade. He could work on cars. I mean, there's just mechanically, he just—he could troubleshoot. Uh, I wish I could do half of what he could do. So I'd watch him do something, and I'd sit there and like, what in the world is he doing? And then as I watched him on this, I didn't always understand what the things that he was doing, the and the processes he was going through, and the things you know, how he was putting all this together. Uh, it was really neat watching him do woodworking, he had all the, the things that he uh, would just kind of uh, just put together, you know, kind of cob job everything together and make something work. Um, he would make a lathe when he needed a lathe, and he'd just do all these neat things. And as he was in the middle of this, I couldn't quite see where he was going, but after it all kind of came together at the end, I could see what he was doing and how he did it, and I could I could see the methods that he used. And now that I'm getting older and I'm getting, you know, each time I read through the book and I read through the book more, um, I see that in my Heavenly Father as well. He does things that we don't always quite see where he's going with it at the time. We just kind of sit there and we scratch our heads. and I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Why is he taking this path? And when I read this scripture a few uh, yeah, a month or two ago, about the hornets, it just kind of popped at the page for me. kind of just stuck out there. And he said, I will send hornets before thee which shall drive out the Hivite, Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, here's God. He's, he's, he, anything at his disposal that he wants to use, he's going to use hornets. So tonight I want to talk about God's way, God's time, and God's reasons. And we see here that he can use anything he wants to accomplish his will. There, there, I mean, he created it all, right? So there's nothing he can't do. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever really stopped to consider his ways? Have you ever just seen an event unfold in your life, something just take place and really pay attention to what's going on and and just consider what God, is? rather than accusing him, rather than giving up on him, rather than getting angry or frustrated or turning your back on the church or turning your back on the Bible or turning your back on God, have you ever just stopped to consider that he's doing something and you probably don't understand it, but just realize that. He has a plan and a purpose and a reason. And we'll talk about all these things here in a bit. Uh, He's used, as you read through this book, you'll find he's used plagues, he's used uh, insects, reptiles, he's used famine, he's used drought, he's used sickness, and he's used captivity to accomplish his will. When he wants to get his people back, all through the book of Judges, they just had this, this cycle, this wash, rinse, repeat... Turn to idol worship, they would go through a period of captivity, he would give them a judge, they would get out of it, and they would, the whole thing would just start back over again. So he would put them through captivity several times just to get their attention turned back to him. Pharaoh, he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could reveal himself to his people, to Moses. So he could make his, his name known among the nations, among the, the Egyptians. Everybody knew who God was when the, when the Israelites marched out of there. They, they, he had revealed himself with, uh, without any doubt. He spoke all of creation into being, and you think about it, he just, he just speaks, and there it was. Bam. Okay, there's your big bang theory. God spoke, bang, it happened. There you go. But yet with man, he took the time to form him out of the, the dust of the ground. He took the time to put in a personal work with his own hands and form that, that dirt and that clay. And then beyond that, he, he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He didn't do that with any other creation, no other being. Man, though, he took the time to do that. He gave victory when Moses' hands were held high. No other point in history do you read about that. Now, I know of an army that held their hands high, and they lost. Okay, They didn't, they didn't fare as well as Moses did, but yet with Moses, as long as his hands were held up, he won victory. Um, he gave victory by telling them to walk around a wall once a day for six days. On the seventh day, do it seven times. He gave victory over death by sending his only begotten son to the cross. Now you show me where West Point has ever taught any of those tactics, yeah. or ever will. Yeah. Just totally out of, out of their, their, their realm of, of, of thought. They, they would never consider any of those. And even if they did, it wouldn't work for them. See, that was God doing all that. Another thing he uses sometimes is opposing forces. And sometimes those opposing forces are necessary. Even if at other times they can hurt us, Sometimes they're necessary. I don't know about y'all, but I really don't like hornets. I don't like yellow jackets. I don't like wasps. I don't like bees, okay? When the kids were little and they had their playhouses and their swing set, I would go out there like I was on like a special ops mission. I had my, my, my hornet spray can that, you know, said 30-foot stream, and I'd get about 29 and a half foot away. And I had a spare one just in case. And I had a plan to run if needed. And I got there and hose those suckers. Well, I'll tell you what, if my wife had been born in the 1930s, she would have made a perfect bombardier trainer. Because, was that last summer or the year before? Last summer. So she's out there working in the flower bed, and I guess she came across a ground or a nest of ground hornets that came up, and they, they came up and said hello a couple times. And she didn't like it. Well, I'll tell you what, for the next probably two weeks, she carried out this midnight bombing campaign on those things. She would go out there with boiling pots of water, pots, okay, and she would go out there and it was just this bombing, right? carpet bombing. Vietnam never saw the likes of it, okay? Nothing survived. My Half of my bush is still brown today. It'll never grow back. But she wiped out every last one of those suckers, I promise you. So. You know, hornets really aren't cool, but in God's hands, they can, they can be useful and used the right way. He can do something with them. We talk about opposition. You know, I've, I've mentioned it before where a ship, you would think a ship riding higher in the water, you know, go faster, right? Well, if it gets too high in the water, it becomes unbalanced and she flops over. That's no good. So a ship needs that weight to keep her down in the water a little bit. Airplanes have a thing they call center of gravity range. That's the point at which the lift is concentrated, so that thing will stay in the air. But if the center of gravity is shifted too far aft, it will go in a nose-up condition and constantly stall. If it's shifted too far forward, well, you can tell what happens then. That's never a good uh, outcome. So that center of gravity has to be within a certain range. And sometimes you need something called ballast to balance that thing out. What is ballast? It's weight. It's a lot of weight. But it's necessary to keep the balance. So sometimes we need those opposing forces. Uh, if we didn't have the thing called gravity, we'd all be literally hitting the ceiling right now. Okay? So it's there to keep us grounded, literally. Animals in the wild, they have natural predators. All through creation, you see God has put this thing in the system of checks and balances to keep everything just in an order. Okay? There, there, God has put, the, he's put this planet in an orbit around the sun, and he's he spun that thing in there and it stayed there ever since. Okay, that's God keeping that thing just, just where it needs to be at the right time throughout the year, the right distance, and everything that needs to happen. He's put all that in motion. But as you heard this morning, sometimes we just need to learn to live amongst the tares. Yeah. You know, they're there. You have to learn to live amongst them. I was talking to a guy at work and he he's big on keeping his grass cut and and uh I was doing the message thing. He works at the the company on the other level, but we still remain in contact. And I was talking to him. I said, hey, did you get your grass cut? He said, yeah, I went out there and got it cut. And I told him, I said, well, that's what you need to do is you need to go out and get a goat. That'll keep it nice and manicured. You won't have to waste your time. And we kind of went back and forth. He said, fun fact, he said, if you have a goat to cut your grass, you need a sheep too. I was like, really? He said, yeah, an old farmer taught him that. He said, sheep don't eat weeds. They eat grass. Goats don't eat grass, they eat weeds. And so I said, well, man, there's a good illustration there somewhere. So I started looking, at I'm like, well, before I say that, let me look into it a little bit. And he was mostly correct. Sheep will eat some weeds, but they usually gravitate toward grass. They eat certain types of weeds. Uh, uh, goats will eat some grass, but they prefer weeds, and they prefer a more coarse weed, more like a bark type of stem to it, like a wooden type of stem. They, they prefer the, the rougher stuff. Another thing I found out about sheep is they will graze. They're grazing animals. So if they get into a patch of something they like, they'll just stay there and they'll just keep going forward. Whereas goats, they kind of tend to, you know, they'll drift around. They'll get a little bit here and go a little bit over there and get a little bit there. You know, sometimes God puts goats in your pastures to keep you away from the stuff that could harm you. Sometimes He puts goats in your pastures to keep you away from stuff that you have no business getting into. And sometimes He puts goats in your pastures. To get rid of the stuff that would just slow you down and get in your way. You know, we're, we're supposed to go out there and we're just, he calls us sheep. Get over there, Matthew 25, I understand it's the judgment of the nations, but for this, this application, it works as well. A sheep were to go out there and just, just do what God told us to do get into a patch and just go with it. We're not supposed to be all over the place. That's what the goats do. They jump from one thing to the next. Sometimes he puts those goats in there to get those obstacles out of the way so we can just keep on going. He says in Isaiah 55.8, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. See, we're not always going to understand his ways and his thoughts. That's just part of it. We just need to accept that. Amen. What we need to learn is that he's in control. Amen. Verse 29. I'll read, yeah, I'll read verse one. It says, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Every time when I was reading through this passage, I was just, like, having these, you know, my mind was just, like, each verse, it was just like, wow, look at that. Like, I've read it before, but for whatever reason, it never really popped off the page like it did. And I'm, like, looking at this, like, man, he's going to wait. He he even tells them right there, I'm not going to do it for a year. And then he goes on to tell them why. You know, God, and I know this is going to be really cliche, but God is never late, and he's never early, but he's always on time. Now, I know as I was saying that, there were probably some of you that have heard that so many times that were saying it along with me in your own minds or maybe even finished it before me. So I understand it's, it's, it's very well known. It might even be a little cliche, but nonetheless, it's very true. Okay, God is never late. He's never early. He's always perfectly on time because everything operates on his timetable. He doesn't always do things as fast as we want him to or as we think he should. You know, every time I pray, I mean, on, on Wednesday nights, uh, I always pray that we could get on God's, God's timetable and accept what he's going to do for us. Maybe it won't be what we had in our minds. And often that's the case. But we still need to learn to to get on his timetable, accept his will, and, and just slow down and get where he wants us to be. Uh, I notice in this verse that he provided a reason, which we'll talk about in a bit. But you know what? The thing is, He didn't have to. He could have just said, well, because I decided not to take him away for a year, and you'll just have to deal with it. But he gave him a reason. Sometimes he will let us in on what he's doing. He knows that sometimes we're waiting on him. And I find this when you're a younger Christian, you're waiting on him, you get a little more anxious. As you get a little bit older, you start, to t- and, he, and he, you've got some experience with him. It doesn't really have anything to do with your physical age, but as you grow in maturity and you've been a Christian a little longer, you start to, to see the, how he's worked in your life, and you just start slowing down because you realize, okay, he's doing something here. God deals with us, and, and, he, and we know when he's dealing with us. And you get to that point where you're like, okay, I could see him at work. I may not see the end result yet, but I can see what he's doing. So I'm just going to back off the throttle. And I'm just going to coast here and see where he, he's leading me. You don't want to get out ahead of him. That's, 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 a, that's a danger. You don't want to get out ahead of God. Um, David did that with Bathsheba. Now, you read down there through there and, and over in uh, Matthew, Solomon was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He was going to be there. Okay. David didn't have to get ahead of the game there. But because he did, there turned out to be, there was a murder. Deceit, fornication, and opportunities for the enemies of God to blaspheme and the death of a baby. All, res- all were involved because David got ahead of God. Because he just couldn't, well, obey. Okay? He let lust take con- control of him, and he got himself in the situation, and all those other things came of it. God already had that thing planned out. He already knew what was going to happen. Abram and Sarai, same thing. They got a little ahead of God with their timing. They already knew God had already promised them a baby. They just couldn't wait on God's timing, and because of that, the father of the Palestinian nation was born. Was a thorn then, is a thorn now, and will continue to be until the millennial reign. It's just the way it's going to be. They all got ahead of God, but there's an example where they didn't, where a couple people didn't get ahead of God. And there was a Philippian jailer and his family that sure were glad that he, they didn't. Amen. Paul and Silas in prison, they could have walked right through that open door. Said, Hold on a second. Let's just, let's just wait and see what's going on here. Don't, don't, don't go nowhere yet. I don't know which one said it to the other one, but one of them probably said it. Maybe they both were in agreement. Hold on. Let's just, let's just relax. That door's open, but maybe God has a reason for it. That Philippian jailer was going to take his own life. And they said, hold on, we're, we're, we're not gone anywhere. We're right here, right where you left us. He got saved that night, got baptized, his family, his household. Why? Because they waited on God. Paul and Silas waited on God. See, an open door doesn't always mean you have to charge through it. Sometimes it's best just to wait and see what the Lord wants you to go through that door and, and when He wants you to go through it and if He wants you to go through it at all. If you've watched any... uh footage or any, done any reading on, on SWAT teams or special forces or police forces or anything like that, whenever they clear a room, they just don't barge necessarily just th- uh, throw the door open and jump in there. They clear the room. They open the door and then they, they have people situated at certain angles so they can clear that thing orderly in an orderly fashion. Now, there's a man back there who can tell you about this well, way more than I can, but they don't, they don't just charge in. They do it in a, in a, in a manner Number one, to protect themselves. Number two, to protect anyone else that might be involved, but also to get a a handle on the situation because they they, they can control it better that way. So you don't always want to just go busting into a room or through an open door. Sometimes it's best to wait, see what the Lord would have you to do, look at that thing from different angles, and then proceed when when you know it's a good time to go through it. So have you ever considered God's timing? We talked about considering God's will. Have you ever considered his will? Now, have you uh, you ever considered his timing? By the world's standards, God takes too long and he is way too slow. It took Noah 120 years to build that ark. And all that time, not one person got converted or convinced to get on that ark. God gave the people after the ark was done. He gave an additional seven days. No one came aboard. He was aware that no, no, that didn't fool God. He knew what was going on. He knew the story. He knew that, that that the only ones that would get saved through that flood on that ark that He provided would be no one, his family. But yet He still gave him a chance. Like I told the guys at the jail this morning, we're not robots. God gives us that free will. He gives us that chance. He gives us a choice. We always have the choice the opportunity to make the right choice. It's up to us whether or not we do. Um We've been coming here since 2008. I think we started men's breakfast probably somewhere around 9 or 10, somewhere around in there, and I've been involved in the jail ministry about the same time. So um, 13, 14 years, somewhere around in that neighborhood. You know, for the longest time, we'd come out to men's breakfast, and it was me and Brother George. Even little Andrew was kind of young. He didn't come. He's not quite so little anymore. Um, but... Uh, Andrew, and, and there were a couple others that would come, Pastor um, Fred, Brother Fred, and Brother um, Jesse. And for the longest time, Steve, he would come. And for the longest time, that was about all that would come. And sometimes one or two of them wouldn't make it. And so it was a very, very small group for several years. But one thing I noticed through all that is I'd pray for that thing, and, and God said, Look, I never asked you to go out there and knock on their doors. Or, or bring them kicking and screaming, or send out text messages, or any of that stuff. I never told you to do anything. He says, I just told you to come here and and, and cook it, and they will come. Yeah. <laughs> and and so we would, we just, that's what we did for many years. Well, now if you come to the men's breakfast, I, I missed the last one. I was down there checking out the camp. But I heard there was like, what, 14, 15, 16 people there. It was quite a, quite a crowd from what I understand. That wasn't me. I don't go out and I don't wrangle people. I don't corner them and say, We coming? Here's what I've found. If I've got to, I've got to guilt you into coming, if I've got to come up to you, and i and I got to persuade you to come, you may come once or twice, but then you're going to be out of it. I'd rather just wait and let the Lord deal with you because then I know when you're coming, you're coming because He wants you to come, not because of me. Don't come to please me. Come to please Him because then I know you're in it for the long haul. Same thing with the jail. You know, I get, I get envious listening to Miss Ruth. Oh, yeah, this one got saved Now that one got saved. Like, oh, she gets more saved on any given Monday than we get, like, in six months. Maybe in a year. But we still keep going. I don't get, you know, there was a time I may have been discouraged by that. But the Lord showed me that, look, I never told you that you're going to go down there and you're going to get them by the hundreds or by the tens. I just told you to go. So you know what I've been doing? been going. About four, what is it, 13, 14 years now, and continue to go, and just going to keep on going until he tells me to stop. How many is going to get saved at home? Know. I know we get a lot to tell us they're going to be here. Very few of them ever show up. We've had a couple, and even those don't come back often. We have had a couple of repeat well, pardon the pun—but repeat offenders. <laughs> uh, but out of all the guys that have told us, less than one percent probably actually ever show up. And I know that they're not fooling me anymore. There was a time when I was naive and I believed them. I don't believe it. But here's the thing: I'd rather them show up because God brought them here, and God wants them here, than them showing up just to. Had a guy not too long ago. Well, I came because I said I would. He came that one time, maybe twice. I think he came two services. Where's he been since then? So he came to, to hold up his end of an agreement with a man. Don't worry about holding up your end of an agreement with man. Hold it. Hold it up with. Lord. If you keep if you keep your agreements with God, then keeping them with man will be easy. He just got that thing out of out of whack. See he's on the wrong system. His his mind's thinking backwards. Sometimes we just get into too big of a hurry. We want things, you know, we, we sometimes we just we just gotta slow down. Like I said, jail and breakfast. The thing sometimes it could take years for that ministry to to grow. All you gotta, I mean you just sit back. God, is this where you want me? Yes. There you go. That should be good enough. Um, We don't don't want to get in too big a hurry. Society's programmed us to be in sixth gear all the time. Never let off the gas, never slow down, not even in the corners. And that's where we end up in trouble because we're just going so fast we can't even see the turn coming up. Next thing you know, we're off in the road somewhere, off in a ditch. Maybe Noah was the only bit of wheat that came off that ark. But let me ask you something. In God's eyes, do you think 120 years was a long time for that one piece of wheat? What's 120 years when you have eternity at your fingertips? It's nothing. It's not even seconds. It's nothing to him. So in God's eyes, if, if Noah was the only one worthy to get through that ark get through that storm and that flood and everything that t- transpired there, and 120 years getting up to that, if he was the only one and God said, well, then that one was worth it. See, God works by the littles, There we'll see in verse 30. See, we're the ones that always want to take off a big chunk at once. We always, we're the ones that want to bite off more than we can chew. Maybe we just need to learn to take smaller bites so we don't choke on it. Let's, uh, let's read verse 30. It says, by little and little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. I like there in verse 29, he said, within a year... I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to wipe out all your enemies. See, we're going to talk about God's reasoning now. His reason for doing this. His reason, he sent the hornets in. He had a reason for, uh, or he had a timetable. And now the reason for that. Uh, Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. As I'm reading through here, I'm thinking, he's going to wait. He's not going to take them all out at once. He's going to take them out by the littles, and he's going to do it. When the time is right, and I started thinking, what would what would if he had just wiped them all out at once before the Israelites were ready to inherit the land, before they were in a position where they could move into those cities, take over those fields, those crops, take care of everything that they that they were about to inherit? What would have happened? He'd have had a bunch of dead bodies. He'd have had a bunch of rotting corpses. He'd have had a bunch of plagues, a bunch of bunch of carnivorous birds and animals. He'd have had flies and maggots and just. A land filled with filth and disease. It had a land of crops that were not being tended to and went by the wayside. It had a land of of overgrown trees. It would have been a wasteland. In today's vernacular, we call it a real fixer upper. It was not going to be the land of milk and honey that he promised them. See, he had a reason for taking out the enemies a little bit by a little bit and then on his timetable because the land that they were going to inherit. Well, he was going to use them. he's going to use the enemies to take care of it just a little bit longer until he was ready to hand over the title deed. See, we get in such a big hurry, we don't, we don't consider things like that. When they finally got to the position where they had crossed the Jericho and they started their conquest and they started taking the lands that God had promised them, he started delivering the enemies into their hands. When he started... Uh, uh, fulfilling his promises and the time was right they had lands that were ready to be inhabited they had crops that were ready to be harvested when the time came they had everything that they needed all because they did it according to God's timetable and they didn't get ahead of him they waited on him I like how over there in, in Exodus we read how God used Pharaoh for his people so why couldn't he use the enemies of his people to take care of the land that's all they were. they were. They were just there. They were property maintenance until the new tenants moved in. So let me ask you, is there really anything too hard for God? Is there anything beyond His abilities? Amen. Have you ever stopped to consider His reasons? Have you ever stopped to think about, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why are all these things popping up? Why does it just seem to be one obstacle after another? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe He has a reason for those? That maybe those things are going to eliminate some things that you won't have to worry about when the time comes. Maybe those goats are going to clear some weed patches out of your way so when you get to them, you can press on. If you ever stop and think about the inhabitants of that land that ended up in the direct lineage of Jesus Christ? I can think of two right off the top of my head. Rahab, a harlot. How about Ruth, the Moabitess? See, these were Gentiles in this land that God had promised, and they were in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I bet you they're glad he waited, and he did what he did. God hardened Pharaoh's heart to reveal Himself to Moses, to the Israelites, to the nations around him. But see, we question God because we don't understand why He's doing and what He's why it, He's doing it and, and what He's doing it for. What, you know what has taken place. Sometimes I think if He knows if He knows that we know too much, that we're going to try and help Him out. I talked about that this morning. Um, at the jail. Uh, I think a lot of times I was talking about uh, by, uh, gaining worldly wisdom and becoming becoming intelligent. And I said, some of the smartest people I know, book smart people, some of the most intelligent people I know are among the dumbest that I know because they get so smart and they get so uh, wrapped up in, in worldly learning and textbooks and professors and, and just consuming all this information from the internet or whatever their source may be they get so much of this in they no longer have the ability to process themselves because they need somebody there to tell them this and this and this and this and they no longer can think through a situation because they've lost all common sense they've lost all ability to figure things out on their own sure they're book smart I knew a guy that he could tell you uh, the metallurgical breakdown of a gun barrel or a piece of aluminum we were fixing on an airplane, but you present him with a simple problem and he'd look at you like a monkey doing a math problem. The guy had no clue. He was just as dumb as a doorkeeper thing, opener. He wasn't very smart, like me. But uh, he was smart in, in, in worldly wisdom. He was smart in book knowledge, but he really couldn't apply that beyond that. And at the end of the day, all that lead, all that does, all that knowledge, all that information, all that worldly wisdom, all that does is draw you further and further away from this book and from God. It just it just pulls you away, it sucks you away from it, and you get to the point. And that's why we have all what two hundred some versions out there because they're all trying to help God out. They're all trying to correct God. We 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 have a guy, and I said I might touch on it, and I just want to touch on it briefly. I don't want to go into too much detail in case he happens to stumble across this message, but. There's a guy down there that's uh, involved in that ministry, and he likes to go to the Greek. Now, the Lord showed me something. Actually, I think he kind of revealed it to me this morning while I was preaching. I was talking about a little bit of grace. This guy is a good guy. I think he really has a desire to serve the Lord. He really, but What he doesn't have is good direction. He doesn't have a good pastor to teach him. He doesn't have uh, any real good teaching. So he goes out and he's trying to self-teach, and in doing so, he's just pulling in, whatever. he's throwing the net out, and he's dragging it in, whatever he captures, he goes with it, okay? And there's a danger in that, and he's, he's getting into the Greek, and he goes there, and, and, and I said this morning, I was telling these guys, I said, last month, I noticed something, I just sit there and I kind of giggle about it now. I thought it was odd at the time, but I had a few minutes to kind of think about it, and, and Last month, they, they shut the thing down at 10:15. They they came over to the PA system, said, you know, okay, it's time for lunch, whatever they said. And I got and, and about that time, he was in the middle of his preaching. and He was going off on the Greek, and he was talking about the I don't know, the different forms of Greek and the neuter and the uh, the genders and all. It was just a bunch of foolishness. I'm sitting, there, I'm like, man, that's not helping these guys, and they sure, ain't doing nothing for me. But these guys, it's not helping them a bit. What they need to hear about is Jesus Christ. They need to hear about the grace of God. They need to hear, hear about the perfectness of his or the perfectness of his word, not about a dead language. Okay. And and I realize, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, God just shut this thing down. There's a good chance he used a lost CO to call for lunchtime 15 minutes early. He'd rather have that guy back there in that pod surrounded by other lost guys and have him in here hearing about the stinking Greek. Amen. Now what's that tell you? I looked down and thinking, man, that's awesome. Yeah. This morning he he's preached a little longer, but he didn't go near the Greek. Although he was suffering from allergies and so, you know, God may be having a little bit of a leash on him, but he still has he is not done with him. God's still allowing him to go down there and preach. And I think, uh, I think that just shows me that you know if God can have some grace with him, then why shouldn't I? Yeah, I, you know? yeah. I don't want to be too hard on the guy. I don't want to cause a problem between me and him. But on the, se- on the other hand, i have not exactly lit up on my... When, I, when the time is right, I don't do it all the time. But when he starts firing up on the Greek, then I do too, on the anti-Greek. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're from Greece, I don't have nothing against you. I'm talking about dead language. But... The thing is, that kind of stuff, you get too much of that, and it can confuse you. And now you're in a position where you're trying to teach others, and that's not going to do them any good either. Samuel told Saul... Oh, let me back up a little bit here. I'm getting on my rhythm here. Um, Talking about God hardening Pharaoh's hearts. Uh, We're talking about knowledge, and if we know too much. Um, Samuel told Saul that if if God cares... God cares more about obedience than he does the sacrifice. Okay? That rejection of God's word costs, solved the kingdom. Okay? The stuff we do for him means nothing if we're not doing it out of obedience. So all this knowledge that you have or think you have or want to have, if you're not using it in God's way for God's purpose, then you're not doing him any good. He wants your obedience, not your works. He didn't want David's temple. He wanted David's obedience. Jesus wasn't concerned with Martha's serving, but he'd rather have had her fellowship like he did with Mary. Okay. He's more concerned about us than the things that we do when we're not doing it the right way. So God's ways, I'm going to wrap it up. I've got three minutes. God's ways are way beyond our comprehension. Okay. I've given up even trying to figure that thing out. Rather than trying to figure out the next step God's going to take, It's easier just to get in step and just let him be your your guide. If you're honest, you'll admit the more you read this book, you realize how much you really don't know. When I was third semester in in Bible college, they had to write a paper, one of the first papers. What have you learned? I said the very first thing was uh, I learned that I really don't know much anything. or I don't know as much as I thought I did or something to that effect. Dr. Peacock graded it. He said you could have stopped right there. At that point, I got one thing right. I really don't know much. Okay? And I don't, still don't know much. Another thing I found out is don't be so quick to run everything and everyone off wielding your sword. You just never know. God may have that individual, that situation, that circumstance there for a reason. Told you how my mom and my, my sister, my sister was in the hospital and they both got saved the same day. And I was fighting the timetable. I had to get back on the road. I had to come back here. I had to be at work. And I'm, you know, I wanted to be here for church Wednesday night. I'm over in Pittsburgh. I didn't have a whole lot of time. And I'm, you know, I'm just, and here comes this guy. I'm like, oh Lord, like I don't have time for this Catholic. He wasn't dressed up like that. I figured he was an undercover Catholic. You know, he didn't have the black and the white on. I figured they're going incognito these days. So he comes in, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm just going to shut up, let this guy get his spiel out there, and then, you know, shoo him off. Well, then he started talking. I'm like, man, this guy is like praying in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm like, I never heard no Catholic do that. So I started listening to the guy and started talking to him. My mom and my sister both got saved that day. Amen. Now, if I would have run that guy out of there, you know, he, was, he was exactly what, what, what I was praying for. I just didn't know it. Yeah. God sent him in there to talk to them and just build upon whatever I had done and just take them that little last little bit. That's all God. That wasn't me. I had nothing. The only thing I did right that day was I shut up and just got out of the way. Once I realized what he was doing and who was, <laughs> who was behind it all, the best thing you can do is just get out of God's way and don't, don't become a speed bump. He'll run you over. Don't rush him. Don't operate on a 15-second time clips like this world wants you to. You got, that's what commercials and the internet and sound bites are for. Don't don't hold God to those limits, and it's not going to work. Just because you don't know or can't realize the reason doesn't mean He doesn't have one. He's got it, just maybe doesn't always tell you. But yet you're going to force it. And you're going to want a reason. Well, how about this for a reason? Because, because He's in control. Because He can do whatever He wants. That should be good enough for us, but it's really usually not. I've asked you to consider God's ways. I've asked you to consider His timing and His reasons. Now I'm going to ask you to consider the hornets in your life. Stop and think about them. You'll realize that they're there for a reason. And maybe, just like those goats to the sheep, maybe those hornets can do something that you're not prepared to do.